Welcome to Healthcare Hacks and Connections Podcast. Here you will learn all things podcasting, acquiring amazing tips and tricks required to transform your podcast into an essential tool to grow your business. On this show, we will bring in expert guests from across the healthcare spectrum. They will share their personal stories, discuss their struggles, and give real examples of how a podcast helped to grow their business. Now let's head into this week's episode. All right, guys, welcome back to the podcast. So today we have a special guest with us because I actually saw this gentleman speak on stage a couple months ago and hit his story just really hits hard. We're going to get to hear about this story, but also he's just a wonderful human being, family oriented. We've been trying to get this podcast to get to you guys for a while, but you know, things happen and I think that's the thing that we really do appreciate in entrepreneurship is like things do happen, but we're able to take away from our business and go attend to our family and tend to our what we need to. But guys, I just want to welcome Brian Bogert to the podcast. Nathan, I'm happy to be here, brother. I know it's been a long time coming and uh, I'm grateful for all your grace and all the pivots that we've needed to have. But you know, we're so aligned with family first and our ability to be flexible. It's just I knew that that probably meant the universe just wasn't ready for us to connect yet. Exactly. Right. Now we're about to spit some fire. It's about to go down. So, (laughs) man, but guys, for you guys that don't know Brian, Brian, you know, is a passionate human behavior and performance coach, speaker, and business strategist, top sales professional and philanthropic leader who believes in helping growth minded individuals achieve the best version of themselves and their most authentic selves which is what we're going to get into about is like, how do you achieve your authentic self? Because I feel like a lot of us, and you even talked about it at that uh, event is, you know, kind of hide ourselves a lot. And we we're not that authentic person, even when we say we are. Yeah, man, I think that's, uh, it's very, very common. I think so many people are walking around with some level of armor, some level of protection because who they are may or may not align with who the world has told them to be. And there's all these dynamics that really come into play through our emotional triggers and behavioral patterns and environmental conditioning that all lead towards these elements that sometimes we're not even conscious to the fact that we're carrying the armor. And so, you know, there's all these pieces that I just believe deeply in the human experience are so important for us to free everybody around us. And I say free, (laughs) it's what we all seek and desire in so many ways, but it's also one of the scariest places to be. So I'm really excited to unpack some of this stuff today with you and, uh, you know, pour into your audience a little bit, because this is what it's all about. We're on a mission to impact a billion lives as quickly as possible. And, uh, and the faster we do that, the faster we move people, the faster we have collective impact because move people, move people, brother. And yes. I'm just excited to be here with you today to talk about it. Yeah. And, you know, guys, a lot of you are healthcare entrepreneurs. So you guys have direct impact on your clients, your patients. And I think even... Brian here, I don't know if we might tell the story about what has happened to him in his past, but I'm sure the experiences that you've gone through with that, with your health and all that stuff have also impacted you. Not even a question. So since you brought that up, let me just tell that story fast, because I think it'll be really important contextually for everybody, especially given the healthcare professionals that you have working to understand my connection also to healthcare. I'm going to tell a little bit of an expedited version today. And, and, you know, I really want to kind of jump right into it, but to set the stage, it was August 10th, 1992, 6.10 p.m., 115-degree day in Phoenix, Arizona. My mom, my brother, and I went to our local Walmart to get a one-inch paintbrush. 
anybody who's known me for more than about two minutes, and if you've been listening to this so far, you can tell I talk fast. I walk fast. I've always had this excitement and vigor for life. And so it didn't surprise anybody that I was the first one in the car. And I was waiting for my mom to catch up and unlock the doors because, see, this was back in the days before there was key fobs. So she had to literally grab her keys, reach out of her purse, put it in the door and turn it so we could go on with our way. There was a truck that pulled up in front of the store, parked, and the driver and middle passenger got out. Passenger all the way to the right, Nathan felt the truck moving backwards. So he did what any one of us would do and scooted it over and put his foot on the brake, but he instead hit the gas. Combination of shock and force threw him up on the steering wheel, up on the dashboard. And before you know it, he's catapulting 40 miles an hour across the parking lot right at me with no time to react. Now, we were parked in an end spot. He goes up over the median, up and over the tree in the median, hits our car, knocks me over, runs over me diagonally, tearing my spleen, leaving a tire track scar on my stomach, and continuing on to completely sever my left arm from my body. So my mom and brother watched the whole thing happen. They look down. They now see me laying on the ground. They look up, and they see my arm 10 feet away in the parking lot. And fortunately for me, my guardian angel, I can never tell this story expedited or long without including her in this story because I'm forever indebted to this woman this nurse that walked out of the store right when this happened. And she saw the literal life and limb scenario in front of her. I'm forever indebted to her because she chose to go into action versus turn her head and go on with her day. She came over immediately and stopped the bleeding on the main wound. And she saved my life. And she instructed some innocent bystanders to grab a cooler, fill it with ice and get my detached limb on ice within minutes to give me a fighting chance of having a reattached limb. So if it wasn't for this woman, Nathan, I either wouldn't be here with you today or I'd be here with you today with a cleaned up stump. That's just the reality. So I know you gave no context on that story. So I'm sure that there's individuals that just listened to that and had no idea it was going there today. Absolutely like, wait a minute, what just happened here? But here's what I have to call back and center in all of this. Yes, I have an extremely unique story. But every single one of us does. What's important is that we learn to pause and become aware of the lessons we can extract from our stories and then become intentional with how do we apply them in our lives. And we all have that ability. We also all have the ability to tap into the collective wisdom of other people's lessons to shorten our own curve to learning. And so to your point exactly, yes, my early foundational experience in healthcare, my story caused me to extract a number of lessons that have shaped not only who I am today, but the tools, resources, processes, and pathways to healing that I have used in my own life to be able to deploy to give other people that same level of freedom and connection with who they are. And I I love that. So I think, like you said, this is probably going to turn in a different direction. And guys, (laughs) if that already didn't impact you already, just hearing that story, like it did me hearing it in person, like go check your pulse. But, you know, I just want to hear this. So knowing what you know now, I mean, you've probably gone past this point, but like, do you forgive that driver? You know what? I never had any negativity towards that driver. I'm being totally honest. I just didn't, you know, where I'm at at this point in my life is I wished that I would have had the opportunity to speak with him after I had the level of awareness and healing that took place in my life so that I could alleviate the pressure that he was likely carrying from a pure accident. You know, if I put myself in his shoes, I cannot imagine the turmoil and suffering that he may have existed in for the remainder of his life, not ever knowing what happened to that boy that he accidentally ran over. And we got a a greeting card from them and their family not long after the accident. And that was the only really communication we had from them. But the reality of it was, is that he also was going through his own turmoil in his life at that time. There was some health issues that were going on. He had just had to file for bankruptcy. And so, you know, the, the heart in me 
has a really difficult time seeing beyond his circumstance, regardless of what happened to me. And what I know definitively is that there isn't a, almost a single person on this planet that would intentionally choose to run over a child if given the option. And so the reality of it is, is we knew it wasn't malicious. Could it have been careless? Potentially, right? Could there have been things to prevent it? Potentially, but accidents happen. And so, no, I, I never really had negativity towards him. Nobody's ever asked me that question, by the way. Okay. So the only reason I asked you that is because I went through my own, I think we talked about this before a little bit, but I got hit by a car mm -hmm. when I was up at school in, in uh, Cal State East Bay. Guys, for you guys that haven't heard this story, there's the earlier episodes, but I was hit by a car, uh, left for basically dead. <laughs> like, you know, and like you said, a guardian angel, which my guardian angel was a dog. I was barking and hearing my screams. They come in all was, forms, bro. Right? They really do. Yeah. They really do. You know, and I, it wasn't my time to go that time. And like, I learned, like, I, like I literally resented this person for a long time. It took me two years to forgive them. But once I forgave them, I was able to move on. But then also I was able to grow and learn from yeah. other things, like other tragedies that have happened in my life to like, be like, why am I even holding on to this? Like, it just doesn't yeah. really affect me anymore. You know? And then I always tell people too, is like, if I would meet that person today, you know what I'd do? I'd thank them because it's yeah. led me to where I am today. Yeah. And they're like, but they hit you and like drove off. I'm like, I don't care. Don't yeah. care. I would thank them. I would shake their hand because it's led me to everything that has happened in my life. Yeah. Yeah. I, what's funny is I don't know that I would have gone as far to say I would thank him, but I recognize where the energy is coming from on that. And I appreciate that. I do think that sometimes there's gifts that are wrapped up in a lot of trauma and it takes a lot of intentionality to raise our level of awareness again, to put ourselves in a position to actually heal through that trauma. But I am a big believer that many of those people who've experienced trauma near death experiences have a healthy mortality with death through their own brush with it. I think often have a perspective that really gives a whole different drive in the way that they interact in the world. And, you know, I often see individuals who dealt with these things have very high levels of emotional intelligence, deep levels of empathy and compassion, right? The ability to truly let go of seemingly nominal, meaningless things in this world, because we have perspective that drives us. And so the reality of it is, is I've had so many people ask me, Hey, would you go back and change it if you could? And I wouldn't. I truly wouldn't. Are there so many situations and moments in my life that I have thought about, wow, what would it be like if I never had this accident happen? You know, what would my body look like? How would I be able to function? I've got full functional practical use of it, but it's different. I modify, I have to substitute things. I have to do things inherently different and I have for 30 years. And so the reality of it is, would life have been easier without this in some respects? but I would have lacked the perspective in so many ways that have honestly contributed so much to the depths of who I am, because I am a big believer that we're born as our most authentic, brightest burning light. And then the world screws us up. Fortunately though, for me, and fortunately for many people that have these types of experiences, when they start to unpack, unwind and start to reduce those layers that the world has put on them, who they were is actually amplified with even more beauty on the tail end of trauma. If they put in the work. And so that's what I feel so blessed about is that, again, I'm in a position, right, to be able to have a lot of impact, partially because of who I am. But truly, I get a lot of people's attention out of the gate simply because of this story. 
And then I've been putting in the work to extract those lessons to understand how I've actually put myself into a position to heal, not just physically, but mentally, emotionally, and spiritually as well. Right. And so now I'm in a position where I can get attention, but I can use the gifts I was given to now create connection. And that's where transformation takes place. So it was a gift to allow me to fulfill what I think I'm even here to do. I love that. Yeah, definitely. And and I was even, I forget what movie we were watching last night. My, my fiance was talking, she's like, you know, the thing came up that, that, uh, that, that injury. And she was like, would you change it? And then would I change anything else? And I'm like, no, because it, it all leads to you. The road leads to you. Right. And if it doesn't happen, I don't know if it leads to you. Maybe I'm somewhere else. That's right. That's right. I've often said, I actually think I'd probably just like be the most arrogant prick on the planet if my accident didn't happen. And, and I, and I say that and people are like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, I don't say any of this to impress. I say it to impress on the point, but like, dude, I know I was only seven, but I can look back and objectively see that I had a lot of stuff come easy. to me. I mean, I was speaking full sentences at 18 months, having conversations with adults at 18 months. I asked my dad at two years old to take the training wheels off my bike. And I rode it without crashing with no problem. And, and, and there's examples of that time and time and time and time again. And so when things come so inherently easy to someone, I can't expect that without significant challenge, without something that knocked me on my ass and to my core to really challenge me to look because of an influence that impacted my ability to have things come easy, it gave me a perspective that I wouldn't have had otherwise. And so I've often said, like, I'd probably be the most arrogant prick on the planet without the perspective I gleaned through this. And that is not who I am, nor who I would ever want to become. And so, you know, do I know that that's who I would be? No, but I know that most of the ways that I've transformed in this life in one form or fashion have been somehow connected to this journey. Boom. There it is. So let's talk about, you know, whether it's physical, mental, you know, emotional, kind of even business pain, but how do you, how do people embrace the pain and, you know, uh, to avoid their suffering? Yeah. So I think it's really important to, to look at a couple of things. We've got to first define pain and we have to define suffering, but I think we have to start as well with what is the narrative of the world, right? The narrative of the world is reduce, eliminate, or avoid pain at all costs, right? And it makes sense. It's a natural evolutionary response to survival, Right. I mean, a hundred years ago, Nathan, you cut your leg, you could die. That's not really our reality in most countries anymore. Does that still exist in places in the world? Yes, it does. But in large part, that's not our predominant narrative or concern. Yet we still have this tendency to go into fight or flight anytime pain comes into our present front, right? So if we understand what pain is defined as, it's defined as short-term, intermittent, a direct cause from something, and then alleviated once that direct cause is removed. Then we as human beings screw it up by putting other words and adjectives in front of it, just like we do with everything else, because we then call it acute and chronic pain. Well, acute doesn't even need to maintain that word because it inherently implies the exact definition of pain anyway, short-term intermittent, right? But chronic inherently changes it because it implies that it's no longer short-term and it persists after that direct cause is removed. Let's stop calling that chronic pain and call it what it really is, suffering. The reality of it is, is that suffering we don't want to admit exists, particularly when it's a direct result of our choices. And suffering often creeps up on us because we adapt to its little pieces until sometimes its effects are irreversible, right? 
Whereas pain gets lots of attention because we feel it. It's real time. It's right in front of us. So what does this concept look like in application? And then I'm going to answer your question directly. We can embrace the pain of hitting the gym for 30 minutes a day to avoid the suffering of aches and pains of a sedentary lifestyle. We can embrace the pain of a difficult conversation with a loved one or spouse to avoid the suffering of a loveless marriage that's going to end in divorce or being stuck in a marriage when we actually want divorce. We can embrace the pain of the fit our kids are sure to throw by having them put down their mobile devices at the dinner table to avoid the suffering of years of lost meaningful connection and conversation that we will never get back. As business owners, we can embrace the pain of firing our top salesperson to avoid the suffering of stagnant growth and losing all our other top talent because they have the greatest cancer in our culture. The reality of this, it persists in every category of life. And so I'm a believer that we almost choose our pain or our suffering will choose us. Now, here's the catch. This isn't a three-step system. There's depth that's involved in this. But there are three parts to really effectively understanding how to integrate this in your life. You want me to unpack those? Yeah, definitely. Let's, let's do that. Beautiful. So the first is that we need to acknowledge the suffering we wish to avoid. Now, so many people are like, wait a minute, Brian, you want me to focus on pain? We're learning how to embrace pain. And now you want me to focus on suffering so that I can really understand what that, yeah, I am. It's exactly what I'm asking. I'm not asking you to embrace pain or put yourself in pain just for pain's sake, but to recognize that it is the catalyst, one of the greatest areas for growth between where you are today and who you want to become. And so if we acknowledge the suffering that we wish to avoid, what does that mean? Most people look into the future with hopes, dreams, and desires. Now, on top of hopes, dreams, and desires, which are not always the most effective motivator, they also often protect themselves. If someone needs to lose 30 pounds, they say, I'm going to lose 20 because it's safe. And I know that I can hit 20. But we also know that we often fall to our lowest common denominator. So instead of outperforming and say, I'm going to lose 35, knowing that I likely will surpass my original goal, instead, we protect ourselves in our hopes, dreams, and desires. But we need to look at the other bookend. Because the reality of it is, is yes, hopes, dreams, and desires are one thing. But when we understand what we're trying to avoid, it really allows us to understand that the gift is in the gray area and how we actually move forward in life. So what does that mean? I've got a client. He's 38 years old. He moved 26 times before the time he was 18. Lived with his mom, his aunt, his grandma, his dad. Never lived in the same place twice. Never had the same set of friends twice. Literally, the idea of living on the road and packing everything up and moving whenever things got tough was what was conditioned into him. He never learned how to effectively give or receive love. Fast forward today, he's 38 years old. He's married, two beautiful daughters, right? The idea of growing up with his wife, with his girls, understanding that he's the husband, man, and father that he always wants to be, he can look at his hopes, dreams, and desires. And what he can do is he can project into the future and recognize that at 80 years old, he can envision sitting on his ranch in Texas with the wind blowing through the brush in the distance. And the only thing breaking the silence is the laughter of his kids and his grandkids. Now, that's a pretty powerful purpose. That's a pretty powerful vision on the hope, dream, and desire. I don't think he's protecting himself. And he can burn that into his soul, but he still needs to take time to recognize that if that's going to come true, then what we also need to recognize is that he needs to acknowledge the suffering he wishes to avoid is a life without his wife and daughters, which means that that is a purpose large enough to overtake the pains required to put in the healing so that he can become the husband, man, and father that he is, is capable of being, and that they deserve. But right now, there's a gap. So he can sit in that hope, dream, and desire, but that's what he's always envisioned. It's not until the idea of potentially losing them as a result of him, did he actually able to translate that into action to move forward. So suffering, we don't want to experience. We can choose to avoid it, but we have to acknowledge what that is to begin with. The second step, brother, you looked like you wanted to say something. So go ahead. Uh, I was almost going to kind of relate this to like, so going to business a little bit about suffering, like, like a sales rep who is 
solid, but they're, you know, they're a shitty teammate, but it's like, you're so afraid that like, if you cut this person, like you're going to take away from your business, but it's like, you're just going to keep suffering. It's going to keep being there chronic pain, but we're eliminating that chronic pain saying suffering right now. But like, you, you know, you need to do it. You need to acknowledge it. Well, or the business owner that thinks that they're the go-to for everything, that thinks that they can be the operator, the CEO, the CFO and everything in every capacity and has a difficult time delegating. They need to embrace the pain of really recognizing where their unique skill set and gift is to avoid the suffering of not being able to actually ever even scale their business in life because they have too much of an ego, too much of a protection to believe that they can do it all. The reality of it is is that this isn't a single sum game, right? We have to literally surround ourselves with people that complement who we are so that to leverage and scale our lives, we can answer the question out of the gate, which I do with every single task. Is this something that only I can do? Is this something that someone else can do? Is it something that even needs to be done? Right. And if I can recognize that 10% or less in my business are the things that only I can do, then I've got to embrace the pains of recognizing that I will be the greatest drain in my business and will contribute to suffering if I don't exist in that 10% or less. Business example, there you go. Yeah, I love that. And then, you know, it kind of even leads to what we talked about at the uh, conference. Sorry, we're going a little bit no, off. No, dude, I know you're gonna, it's great. I'll bring it full circle. We're good. Yeah. But, you know, with me bringing on my fiance and you were telling me to like, think about it as, you know, you're building the container around her, but let her build it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I think what's interesting is, is since our conference, there's been a little bit of an evolution. Actually, I just posted a piece of content today from a series called Marriage Hacks that we, we do. And I will, I will tell you a slight pivot to that. Build the container around her. And I think I maybe shared this with you, but it might not in as much depth. Build the container around her. But if she asks you, specifically what you envision her doing in the business, find a way to give her an answer that allows her to attach to the value you see in her. In my situation with my wife as my business partner, I thought that giving her freedom was the way. So when she would ask me, hey, what do you see for me in my future in the business? I would say, well, what do you see? What do you want to do? And the reality is that I'm the protector and the connector in our business. I'm the leader. And so what she's really looking for is validation of her worth and value. And where and how do I see that deploying in the business? Lack of an answer made her feel like, I don't see that value. I don't see that worth. And I'm not saying that your fiance will feel that way. But again, the void and lack of direction actually created more pain for her. And when we were able to slow down long enough for her to recognize that it was like, I believed I was giving her a gift to build whatever she wanted. When she really wanted me to say, I want you to do X, Y, and Z, because this is where you add value to me in this business. And when we slowed down long enough to realize that, I was still able to build the container for her. And she had the freedom to build it within, but that container was with direction and protection so that she felt valued, seen, and understood in our business. Yeah, you didn't go that deep, but I think that really did just even help me like understand that because yeah, she has been looking for that, you know, recognition, but it's also, you always want to tell them, oh, you're doing great. You're doing great. You're doing great. But that doesn't really help, you know, because it's hard. It's hard to work with a, a loved one, an intimate partner. It's hard. Yeah. The the second step, I want to jump back on this because I want to hit these points because it is important. I want to complete this loop for everyone. Um, After we acknowledge the suffering we wish to avoid, we need to identify the pains we tend to avoid and learn to embrace them. I'm going to give you two examples on this one, one for myself and one business example. Myself, my arm got ripped off. I don't have a tricep. My biceps, my gracilis from my leg. I don't have a lat on the left side of my back. I have curves in my spine because the physical imbalance in my body and 30 years of imbalance and a deconstructed spine is now starting to just develop into all these other things. 15 to 20 years ago, it started to get to a place where that pain 
was no longer acute. It was suffering. It was debilitating. It was impacting my quality of life and preventing me from doing the things that I wanted. Now, I was given a little bit of a gift because I was young enough at the time that I could at least project forward and realize that if in my early 20s, I'm dealing with this, what will it look like when I'm 50? What will it look like when I'm 70? And I knew definitively that movement is life for me. I wanted to be able to move, do things, be outside, play with my kids, play with my grandkids. And so a debilitated life in your early 20s is not something I wanted to be a part of. So I'd already acknowledged the suffering I wished to avoid. So what did I do? I wanted to get movement. I learned that if I stayed lean, I stayed healthy, I could stay fit, that that pain would be mitigated to something that was manageable. So I went and I joined the gym and bro, I crushed it. 30 days, man, 30 days. I crushed it every day. I was there. I was putting in the work. I was doing everything I needed. And then I stopped going, right? Sound familiar with so many people's new year's resolutions. The reality of it is if I approached this just like everybody else, or like I had in prior periods and just said, Oh, well, maybe that gym isn't for me. If I focused on it from a strategic and tactical perspective, I'd say, Oh, I'm going to go join cycle bar. I'm going to go join or in theory, I'm going to hire a personal trainer. I would just swap and replace until the reality of it is, is I would not be moving forward in any one of those things because the same pattern was going to continue. So I had to ask myself an additional question. Is it the pain of working out, the pain of plyometrics, the pain of stretching, the pain of lifting that I'm avoiding? Or is it the anxiety I get in a crowded gym? The reality of it is, is I knew definitively that it was not the strategy and tactics that were keeping me stuck. It's not often for some of the world's highest performers, but it is almost always connected to some pattern or dynamic of emotional triggers, behavioral patterns, and environmental conditioning. So once I understood that, that that was not my environment for success to perform at the level that I needed, I had to embrace the pain of creating my own home gym to build the environment for me to be successful so I could avoid the suffering that was already developing. Now, I was working with somebody not long ago. She's a business owner. And the reality of it is, is we started having conversations. She's phenomenal at building conversations. She's phenomenal at, or sorry, building relationships. She's phenomenal at navigating conversations. She's able to extract and understand the problems that are existing for people in their businesses. And she's a miracle worker at outlining solutions, whether it's hers or those in her network that she can deliver for them. She is a master at this. Yet every single time she would sit down at her desk and look for the ability to grow her business, she'd look at that telephone and it looked like it weighed 500 pounds. She was terrified to make cold calls and she had convinced herself that I need to go get more training. I need to better understand scripts. I need to put myself in a position to really understand what are the tactics I can do to improve what I'm doing on the phone. The reality of it was, is after a long conversation, we got to the root of this. And what we uncovered is that she's actually, she was afraid of what it would look like if she was successful. She knew that she didn't put in the work to build the systems and processes in her business to deliver on a higher level of revenue than she had. So though she'd convinced herself that she needs to be the outbound upward trajectory growth for her top line revenue, she also didn't have the ability to fulfill it. And so when we got to the idea of understanding that she had a fear of success that was deeply ingrained tied to shame, but also for lack of ability to build those processes, she started to heal that shame and build the processes. And within a matter of months, that telephone didn't weigh five ounces. Again, it was not a strategy or a tactic. It was an emotional trigger that was tied to keeping her stuck. And the reality is the last step on this is very quick. And I'm going to hit this right out of the top of the gate is we have to establish as a habit in every area of our life, because if we embrace this holistically and we understand that these are the things, then not only does, does those pains turn into discomfort, those discomforts turn into moments. And so what we know from experts in habit formation is they call it an upfront energy tax, which implies that doing something new, there's a cost or there's an expense or a takeaway from our lives. And I just want to flip that on its head as well. And I want everybody to start looking at new habits as an investment in your future self that will pay the greatest compounding dividends in your life out of any investment you will ever make. 
And so this is a place to start because discomfort is like the 5k to pains marathon. But at the end of the day, both are important to ensure that suffering doesn't develop in our lives. Man, that was great. Uh, and I love the business aspect of it. And I even heard it from the personal one is, is I, I could hear that. And I've definitely dealt with that before where like, I'm, I'll, I'll say this, you know, I was afraid of DMs when I would get them and answering. Cause I was like, oh man, they responded. Oh, now I have to have the perfect answer to come back with. And it's, and it wasn't until I hit a phase in my business where I was just, I said, F it, you know, what's going to, what's the worst going to happen? Cool. They say no. All right, cool. Move on. Go to the next. But it makes a lot of sense. Cause what you just hit on is actually a fear of judgment, right? Yeah. And the reality of it is, is you're also a fear of lack of connection or being seen and understood, right? What you're really afraid of is what the world has conditioned you to believe, which is that there's not people that want something for you. They want something from you. And what if I don't say the right thing so that I can demonstrate that who I am fits inside the box of who the world wants me to be. Yeah. Like that's truly what it is. And so many people are, are subject to that myself included. Dude, there was a period in my life when I was growing and scaling our other business, right? Reality of it is, is like custom suits, fancy cars, a lot of these things. Now I'm not vilifying any of that. There's a place for all of that. And I love nice things, but the reality of it was, is for me, I had to be honest with the fact that that was my armor to demonstrate that I belonged in certain circles when I didn't have to prove that to anybody other than myself. Yeah. And I definitely feel that too. Like I love it. For instance, I got a present from a family member and it was just because they saw my wallet and they saw that I was beat up and destroyed and stuff like that. And they wanted to give me something, you know, that would last. So they got me a leather YSL wallet, right? That's a really expensive wallet. I'm like, I shouldn't even be having this, you know? And then I still don't even use it because I'm like, I, I don't want to pull that out and be like, like I'm flashing anything. Like, that's not me. I'm just like, like I wear a podcast t-shirt when I go out, <laughs> you know, like I don't care, but I do wear suits and okay, I'm from occasion just cause I like suits, but that's all, you know, it's, it's defining who, who, who I want to show up as. Like, right. I don't want to be this person that has like an, flashy cars, these Lambos and stuff like that. There's people out there that, that do that. But I love, and I love doing, I love seeing this is like knowing millionaires like yourself, you know, and knowing that, 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 that like they don't need to like show it off to the world that they are. I, I love that it's very a humble approach and like they're like seeker millionaires. Like why can't we all just be like that kind of? Yeah. And so I agree again, I, I never vilify money and I never vilify the objects. Yes. Right. Because I like nice things. I've bought nice things. Will I buy more nice things? And will I continue to make a good amount of money? Yeah, I will. Like, and I'm not going to be ashamed of that any longer. There was a part of me that never wanted the world to see that, but I've worked very hard. And, and I've also had a lot of privilege that's put me into positions to be able to do certain things. So none of that's lost on me. So I want to be really clear though, to your point, exactly. I don't care. I mean, I know billionaires, that are the most humble down to earth people on the planet. They have private jets, they have yachts, they have all this shit, but they're not flashing it. Right. And so again, I want to be really, really clear because for me, for a long time, those objects were my armor and I chased money to feed my ego when I was convincing myself that I was chasing it to feed my family. 
And so when I realized that that was the truth, right, the unavoidable precursor to change is acceptance, because until we accept the current state of things, we cannot alter them. And so when I woke up at 27 years old, having accomplished all the what's that I ever wanted, what house, what car, what amount of money, looking around, realizing like, oh, geez, I didn't really either, either I didn't set my bar high enough, or this really isn't as fulfilling as I thought it was going to be. When I woke up at 27 years old, the reality of it was, is I started to recognize that my priorities weren't in alignment. I wasn't being congruent the way that I believed that I always wanted to live. I wasn't the husband, man, and father that I always said I wanted to be. I was providing for them financially. I was providing financial security and other things, but bro, I was not a holistic self that was bringing the best version of me into my household, into my business, into my life, into my relationships, because I was still empty because money was my primary source of happiness, which guaranteed I was always going to be poor. That was deep. <laughs> that was deep. That even hit me hard. Wow. Yeah, definitely. You know, and I think that's where I'm even changing too. This is just like what you said, you know, and making sure that I am showing up the way that I want to show up for Christine, my fiance, that I'm showing up for my family. You know, like right now we're debating even like moving and going to like Texas, Arizona or Florida because, you know, affordability. I'm in California. This shit is not affordable over here. <laughs> There's $10. I'll tell you, Arizona is skyrocketing right now. So if you're going to do Arizona, you better do it soon. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we're far behind California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like even that, like, but then I've also talked to others where it's like, you know, just just keep going. You know, you're going to get to where you want to go. You, you don't have to, cause I'm turning 30, right? In 30, you're supposed to have the car. You're supposed to have like your house. You're supposed to have the kids, supposed to be married, all this stuff that we're supposed to. And you know, you really don't. You don't. You can create your own life and create the, your own path that you want. And you can get to wherever you want to go yeah. in your own time. And I wish that there was more conversation just in line with what you just said, because at the end of the day, like, yes, do I want everybody to have the ability to earn as much money as they desire to fill the life that they want? Yeah, I do. But by the way, as much money as they desire, I worked with a client that was living the high life, didn't have financial freedom, but he owned a bunch of bars and nightlife that would have led towards a lot of freedom for him over time. But after years of doing it, he was empty, not happy doing what it was. And he left all of it, despite the fact that he was paying himself multiple six figures to go get his EMT and become a firefighter, right? And again, that was complete alignment in who he was. And again, if we have individuals who can afford to live their lives off 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, $90,000 a year, and that's what they're doing and they're contributing to society and they have the joy, freedom and fulfillment that they desire, then we don't need to be giving a narrative that money is the way, right? At the end of the day, money is a tool, it's a vehicle and it allows people to gravitate as much as they want in their world or not have it in their world, depending on how much they're open to receiving it and what they're willing to do to put themselves out there to get it. But it's a tool. And so the reality of it is if we understand that it's a man-made construct, just like time, then we can recognize that it's not about having as much money as possible. It's having as much money as you feel you need to fill the life that you want. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I, I'm, I love that you put it that way. I mean, guys, if you're not like paying attention, you're not taking notes. If you're not already feeling inspiration from this, like, like you, you need to go re-listen to this, start from the very beginning and tune in because this is literally what Brian has given us right now is like, 
thousands and thousands of dollars worth of knowledge right now. And, you know, it's even helping me. Like I'm even going to like after uh, we, we uh, record this, you know, I'm going to re- come back, listen to it again over and over again, you know, and, and really soak in that knowledge that he's given us, which so Brian, I just want to thank you for that. So I wanted to talk and, you know, kind of give you a little something here, uh, guys, is that Brian actually has, you know, this thing called No Limits Prelude. And we're going to have a link to it in the, the show notes. But like, if you are struggling with like who you are and, and becoming who you are, this is going to be a free tool for you. And Brian, you can speak on it a little more, but I think it's, it's, it's really like how to find your purpose and the legacy that you want to leave behind. Yeah. Um, thank you for bringing that up. And I want to give a giant caveat out of the gate on this because I just operate from pure transparency because I don't believe in funneling people. And I don't believe in playing games or flipping switches or having them jump into something without absolute transparency. The answer is to get access to the free course, which is over 30 minutes of video content at the very beginning, all the way through the first chapter in our full long form course that we use in all of our group coaching that people can buy individually that we use in all of our one-to-one coaching stuff. It's the same framework that we use. You get through chapter one for free. Now you exchange your email to get access to it. You will get a couple of emails through the process of completing that course. And you will get four emails when you're done that outline opportunities for you to engage further. If anything hits you, resonated with you, removed you. I want you to have full disclosure on that because if the free portion is all you need, all I ask is that you pass it on to somebody else so that they have an opportunity to also get moved. If you need more, whether it's the course or some other outsource, please lean into the opportunities to allow us to at least have a conversation because I don't believe in influencing or convincing or selling anybody in the personal and professional development space. If you're ready to invest, we have a place for you. If you're not, we still have a place for you. We want to figure out where and how we can elevate and empower you. Because again, a billion lives impact, it only happens collectively. And that is one of the core lessons I learned early in life is that I learned not to get stuck by the things that have happened to me, but get moved by what I can do with them. And that's led to one of my other core philosophies is that moved people move people. So I'm just asking if we give this to you with full transparency and expectation that you help us move more people. Yeah. So, I mean, guys, it, you know, and and the way that, that Brian even does that, like you should even be thinking about that for your business, the way that you're funneling people in is the same way being on that authentic. Like he was just being authentic. This is what you're going to get. And this is how it's going to be. You know, if you're ready to work, you're ready to work. If you're not cool, help someone else that's, that's ready to, to take this path. And I, I love, I love the way that you, and I'll even throw back to our good friend, George Bryant, his episode, it's the same way. And I, I love that you guys are like, you know, I don't care about like putting paywalls behind these courses and stuff like that. Like, it doesn't matter. You're just trying to get people to make impact, to change lives that, do you know, they can. Yep. That's and right. I, lo- I love it. Um, all right, Brian. Well, my listeners know we're towards the end of the podcast now. So what this means is we bust out these things called pod decks. And these are three random questions that we're going to ask you to kind of dive a little more into you. And uh, yeah. So first question is, what is the number one tactic? I hate that word, but you know, you use to stay organized. Um, My breath. I've learned to use my breath to center in myself, to raise my level of focus and to center in who I am, to allow that to amplify in the world through my breath. Can you give us a demonstration of that? Because I've been actually trying to, I have the breath book, but I'm like, 
I've always been trying to figure that out. Yeah. So the technique that I use most often is four seconds in through the nose, four seconds out through the mouth. Mm-hmm. It's something that can be done even mid conversation. You could be talking and I could be doing four seconds in and four seconds out and it's undetectable. Right. But the reason that I use that cadence is not only is it pretty easy to remember, but it's actually been used by the Navy SEALs for decades because it has been proven to be the most effective thing at calming the human stress response next to Valium. And so for me, I center myself in my breath with breath work, with meditation and consciousness work every morning, but I use my breath often in those moments to pause, to give myself the ability to see what's in front of me clearly. Because what I know is so often that we're conditioned to see things based on our triggers and conditioned responses and behavioral patterns. And so if I can take a breath to center in the now, then I usually can move faster with less effort. Perfect. Yeah. And you actually gave a demonstration of that at the conference. You guys did it on stage, which was awesome. And I actually wrote down the cadence. So perfect. Okay. You're in an elevator with your hero. You have 90 seconds to tell them about yourself. What do you say? I'm a husband and father first, who's deeply passionate about humans, people of all kinds, the human experience and human connection. What is your greatest lesson that you could share with me around the way to truly and authentically connect so that we can create sustainable growth and change in this world? I would actually tell a little bit about myself and then I'd ask a question because I, I, if I've got 90 seconds with them, I want to get an answer. Yeah. Who would that be addressed to? It'd be one of two, probably Abraham Lincoln or Martin Luther King Jr. There you go. Those are two of my, uh, two of my, my heroes. Awesome. What could you do all day and not consider a waste of time? (laughs) Man, um, pour into others. Yeah. It's what I do all day, every day. And I don't consider it a waste of time at all because that's my greatest win is when I see other people move. Perfect. Uh, completes it. So Brian, I just want to thank you for coming on the podcast today. For the listeners that resonate with your message today, which God, I know everyone probably is, is resonating with your message just a little bit. And they're looking, they're ready to move forward with you and work with you. Uh, how can they do that? If you are ready and you're ready to email, just shoot me an email at brian at brianbogert.com. Obviously that is our website as well, brianbogert.com. But if you're a social person, it's at Bogert Brian on any platform and feel free to shoot us a DM and we'll go from there. And honestly, check out those socials because he spends knowledge all the time. And even if you're not ready or you're financially not ready, there is little bits and nuggets that you can take and to improve your life, improve your business, everything in there. So I just want to plug that as well. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, of course. So I just want to thank you for coming on, Brian. For the listeners, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe for more episodes. And we'll see you on the next one. Peace, guys. For more inspiring conversations like this one, I invite you to join my free Facebook group, Healthcare Hacks and Connections. Also, be sure to subscribe, rate, review on Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Lastly, be sure to follow our socials on Instagram, the podcast underscore doc, and Nate Novice on Facebook. Thank you and have a great day.